Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. All right, good to see you guys here. My name is Bryant. I'm the lead pastor here. Um, and if this is the first time we already said this, man, we're so glad um, you're in the house. And I'm especially glad that you're here uh, for this series. And I'm going to dive right into part two in just a second and what your life is missing. And here's my whole goal in this series. We just finished the series, To Hell With Normal. Um, I'd love for you to go back and check that out on any podcast catcher. But in these three weeks, I just kind of want to refocus our attention. Like this is 101 um, like some basics, and in, in, in a large way, I'm speaking to a lot of followers of Jesus, but I think it's really relevant to you um, if you're not, if you're listening via unfiltered radio, you're podcasting, you're watching via live stream. But the whole purpose is just kind of lift us up a little bit, lift our heads a, a little bit to recapture some of our vision around what God has called us to in this season. Because here's the thing that I know over the last year that Nicole referenced is, like, there's so much crap. Like there's so many obstacles thrown in your way. In some cases, for some of you, just in terms of your spiritual journey, there's been more obstacles than ever before. And I said this last week, but when you lose sight of vision, it makes it very difficult to be intentional with what God's called you to do. There's a verse in the scriptures that says, without vision, people cast off restraint. Meaning, if you lose vision of what you've been called to in your marriage, in your relationships, in your organization that you lead, in your church, it is so easy to begin to move in a direction that God never called you to. So here, just real personal story um, in terms of what we're talking about, and a lot of what we're talking about is, is God's calling for us as a church and, and God's destiny and will for our lives if we're followers of Jesus. Um, but I grew up in a pastor's home uh, my dad's an amazing man, amazing pastor, and, and still serves on our staff and so faithful. And uh, I grew up in a little Baptist church for years, and um, then I went off to college, and I went to business school and did that whole thing. And um, my brother was in business, kind of wanted to follow those footsteps, and I got my first like legit job out of college. And I was wrestling the whole time, though. I, I felt like that God was calling me to something else, and I had all kind of objections, just like normal people do, because I know you don't see me as a normal person sometimes, but I, like I am. And just like, I, I kind of I wanted to go into business, I wanted to make money, if I could just be honest, and um, like, I love my dad, I, I was like, I can't be that or that guy, and I, that's just not what God has for me. And yet, God just continued to run me down with just different incidences and things in my life, and then it all culminated, and I share this in Next Steps, quick plug for that if you ever go through that. I share like the five-minute version, but I met a girl um, in my first legit job. We were both about 23 years old, I think, at the time, and um, her name was Lauren, and we just got to know each other. We were both kind of at the same place in terms of where we were starting with this company, and she started to just open up about like her life, like you know, just conversations and where you're at, and we're at the, we were at the stage of life where you're just trying to figure out big stuff like... Like, what's the next 10 years look like? Like, what's my purpose? Um, what do I feel like is ahead for me? And then she was also grappling with those huge questions about, like, she had stuff from her past that she was kind of trying to outrun. 
And she had huge, huge questions about God. And at some point along the way, she kind of found out I was a, you know, a Jesus follower, a Christian, or whatever I said to her. And so she had these huge questions about like just life and purpose. And like she was open to the Jesus thing, but she had so many of these obstacles that got in the way and huge questions that she was asking. And she always kind of felt like on the outside. And so we just continued to get to know each other. And then it got to this place, and this is the only way I can describe this, got to this place in the relationship as, as I was, you know, just trying to befriend her and we would have these conversations where it, it, it just culminated in kind of an oh crap moment. You know what I'm talking about? The other time I had this was when I had my first kid. <laughs> they hand you your first kid and then not even when they hand it, like that first night when you got to go home and you're like, are you serious? This is irresponsible to give me this kid and just send me on. I have no idea what I'm doing. So there was, there was that, there's been several of those moments, but like it was like a oh crap moment with her because in that moment I realized I don't know what to do with her. Meaning like she's got all these huge questions. There's so much she's grappling with and she's open to the Jesus thing, but I don't know where to take her because as she began to share her story, one of the major obstacles that had gotten in the way of her journey of finding purpose and figuring out faith and what her life would look like and all of the shame that she was dealing with from her past, the major obstacle that had unfortunately gotten in the way for her was the church. And in, in that moment, I, I realized, like, I love the local church because my dad was a pastor and I saw a lot of crazy stuff go down, but I still knew, like, this was God's plan. This is what God wanted. And the church on mission was beautiful. Like Jesus predicted on a hillside, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell and death are not gonna be able to stand against it. And so I got to the place in this relationship with this girl where I was so wanted to introduce her to the life and the freedom in Jesus. And yet there was this obstacle that had gotten in the way. And I'm like, I don't know where to take this girl because there's churches everywhere. And there's great churches everywhere. But there's not many churches that are geared to answering the questions that she is asking and there's tons of churches that, and I applaud them, like they're totally on board with teaching the Bible and it's, you know, it's doctrinally and theologically and all of those words on point. And yet if she walked in unintentionally, she would feel like she had no idea what was going on. Nobody was speaking to her. Nobody was speaking at street level and nobody's answering the questions that she was asking. And then there was other churches that again were great and there was a really cool vibe and they had a great band and it was contemporary or whatever you wanna call it. And yet that they weren't actually addressing this individual who's kind of in the agnostic stage, what she was actually asking. And they weren't leading them to the one thing that ultimately brings hope and power and that's just Jesus. Like that's the only thing that has the power to change a human heart. It was the first time in my life as God had been running me down where I felt like this moral imperative of somebody's gotta do something. I know this church is everywhere and God's using them because that's what God promised to do. That as broken and busted up as we are in the churches, he's gonna use it until he comes back. But there are so many people like this girl and then for the first time in my life, it became unbelievably personal because I knew her. I, I, like, I, I loved her in terms of a friend and wanting God to do something in her life. And I, I was just like, man, something needs to happen. And in that moment, I just had this bout of insecurity, but like, who am I to do anything about it? And then God just continued to move and wrestle with me where I, I just felt this compulsion of like, okay, we, we need to start a church that's geared toward people like her and other people like me that have followed Jesus their whole life and, and, and this thing where it can be on point theologically and doctrinally and we can have something to say and it points everybody to Jesus, but simultaneously people like Lauren who have tons of questions about faith and doubt and carrying shame feel like it is the most welcoming and accessible place on the planet. Like you need to be able to do both at the same time. 
But I was like, I, I'm not the person to do that. In fact, I went and talked to my boss and he confirmed. He's like, no, I don't think you're the person to do that either. <laughs> He's like, I just am not seeing that for you. But at that point, it, like, it was just too late. Like, it was seriously too late. And you know, every once in a while when you get this thing that, fe- and, and by a moral imperative, it just feels like I gotta do it. And you start to do crazy stuff like go to seminary and quit your job and not really know where you're gonna go next, but just know God's called you to step out and, and he's gonna take care of it and he's gonna clarify as you go. And, and I remember God beginning to crystallize this idea and this vision for an alternative to church as usual. And not as some kind of us and them, because again, I can't say this, I love the local church. But God pressed on my heart like this burning passion and desires. I, I wanna spend the rest of my life reaching people like her. And then there was a small group of people who captured that same vision and it was a small group of people to say like, we wanna create an alternative to church as usual because we know people just like Lauren. And the church should be programmed toward outsiders and not just insider because Jesus said, when you have 100 sheep and one of them runs off. And like for us, that doesn't mean anything. Like if I had 100 sheep and 50 ran off, I'd be like, just let them go. They're sheep. Like it doesn't matter. But Jesus like, no, no, no. In, in, in this agricultural like idea, if one goes away, it's valuable. And I'm going to leave the 99. I'm going to go after the one. That's how valuable they are. And a group of people that said, no, no, we need to create something that is welcoming and accessible to every type of person imaginable and is the safest place in the world for anybody struggling with anything. And anybody can say that, but you don't always feel that. And we need to create a place that will talk about what people are actually wrestling with and talk about what's happening in culture and how it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to create a place that is about the one thing that Jesus said we should be all about, and that is imperfectly loving one another and not leading people toward behavioral modification that says do seven more things, but come encounter Jesus. And the invitation is not get your crap together and come, but come with all of your crap. And if you encounter Jesus, Jesus may change everything about your life. And here's my question. Thanks for the golf clap. I'm glad that you're into it too. But like, here's the thing. I just, I just always wanna ask this question. Can you imagine for some of you if that had been your experience? Can you imagine for some of you, again, imperfectly, we get that, but can you imagine where your marriage might be in that season where you hit a bump and you were struggling and you felt like you couldn't tell anybody else you were struggling? Can you imagine where your college student would have been at 16 when suddenly they had big questions and everybody wanted to shut down the questions to go, no, you just don't, you don't ask those, you just believe it because the Bible says it. Can you imagine if they were in an environment to go, no, no, you're able to question because you don't have to fear truth and ultimately Jesus will lead you where Jesus wants to lead you. And so this is the safest place in the world, no matter what you're struggling with or no matter what doubt you're grappling with. Can you imagine where they would be right now? Can you imagine where your friends would be who you're trying to invite to church and you can't get them there because they've wrestled with some really dark stuff, some stuff has hit the fan and they felt like they had nowhere to go to unload it. And the last person that they would talk to is like a church person or a Jesus follower. Like, can you imagine where some of you would be that are watching from literally all over the country in that season where you left and now you're back? Can you imagine what would have happened in that season if you never would have had to left? If, if you would have seen that on mission, and listen, again, I get this. The church is dysfunctional. Can I get a, we don't really amen here. I don't know what you do. Um, you golf clap me. You can, um, that's fine. 
I just realized, I don't know what to tell you to do. Um, but like, God is such a skilled architect that when we center this movement around what he said it should be about, about, he is such a skilled architect that he can take a bunch of busted up people and create a city-shaping movement. And he's done that since the, the very beginning. And I, I can just tell you, and this is why I wanted to talk about this for a couple weeks, and we'll finish it next week, is as we've gone further into this, like my passion for that, that vision to create an alternative to church as usual, our mission to tear away every unnecessary barrier for people to find life and freedom in Jesus, that passion has only grown. Yeah. It beats strong within me and so many people who are part of this movement. And I love how Paul described it. It's one of my favorite couple verses. And I love how the message version puts it in Ephesians 3.6. This, this summarizes what we're a part of. He says, the mystery is that people who've never heard of God and those who have heard of him their whole lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, this is so great, they stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer. They get the same help. They get the same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board, which means the church better be. And then verse 10, I love this. Through Christians like yourselves, gathered as churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about. Can you imagine if that was your experience with the local church? And here's the, man, this is the fear that I have sometimes is the extraordinary plan of God starts to seem anything but extraordinary. And you just lose sight of what we have been made stewards of, that we've been given the baton of this message in our generation, that God has done something. And that there was this jacked up idea in the Old Testament and they served these Greek gods and the gods didn't even love people. And this idea of I gotta go to the temple and I gotta try to make sure that God is good with me. And then Jesus comes, lives a perfect life we couldn't live, dies the death that we should have died on the cross and then declares it is finished. The temple is torn. Now you have direct access to God and God has given you a destiny and a purpose for your life. And by the way, this is different than any other religion because I'm gonna give you forgiveness ahead of time, even though you don't even know what the future looks like for you, I'm going to declare over your life, if you place your faith and trust in me, I'm going to love you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to give you a hope. I'm going to give you a future. And no matter what happens in your life, you are going to be secure in a relationship with Jesus. And now you are stewards of that message to a generation that is without hope, that is broken, that's carrying shame and wonders if there is a way forward. And the message of Jesus says to the most dysfunctional person who has ran away the furthest, that there is hope, there is life, there is freedom, and the church should be the megaphone for that message in our generation, and we should tear away anything that gets in the way of that. Like, like there's no plan B. And I don't know what God was thinking. You're like, you should have had a plan B. Have you seen us? But like, you, there's no plan B. The church is the hope of the world. And what's missing, I think, sometimes is we've lost our vision. And I say this about every message right now, but it's so at the heartbeat of, of what we're struggling with, talking about capital T, capital C church, but we've leveraged anything but what God's called us to leverage in this, I think, season for us. And, and we're leveraging politics, and we're leveraging trying to take back control of stuff and return to whatever, whatever, 
And we've lost sight of what the church was actually sent here to do. And in the first century with, with no money and no influence and no standing and no leverage on a hillside with 12 people, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to stand against it. And they're like, I don't know how we're going to do that. And Jesus said, no, you just go and you follow me and I'm going to do it. And without any of those things, as we talk about all the time, they transformed the Roman Empire without raising a sword or assembling an army. And the church is this multicultural, multi-generational, socioeconomically diverse movement to the world to say that everybody is invited in. And by the way, our major focus is what Jesus said on that hillside, that you're gonna unite over one thing and maybe only one thing, and that is that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And so I just want you to make it all about that. And if you do, I'll transform your families, your marriages, in your city, and if you look at first century followers of Jesus, I'll transform the world. But I want you to follow me. And for some of us, what is missing is like we just grow so comfortable and we grow so satisfied and we start hiding behind excuses and freaking out about everything that's going on around us, not realizing what hangs in the balance and that Jesus' same offer 2,000 years ago is the same offer that stands today. If the church on mission with followers of Jesus would center around what is most important and what is at the epicenter of this movement, I will do something extraordinary in your midst again. I will change your city again. Follow me. But here's the thing, man. It depends on you. It depends on me. And so here's my goal and and like all my cards on the table. This is where I wanna encourage you today as followers of Jesus. And if you missed last week, maybe it was good that you missed last week. Um, It was a little bit, it was a little bit in your face. Um, And this one's, it's gonna be a lot nicer this week. But um, I I just like straight up, man, I I, I wanna encourage you to do one thing before I finish this, is I wanna encourage you to engage. If you're a follower of Jesus, I wanna encourage you to step out of what is comfortable, step out of what has maybe become a place of complacency, and I want you to step in specifically to this movement known as the church, and if you're watching somewhere around the country that you find one or you start one in your home, and we'll help you do that, but you step into this thing and you serve and you engage and you give part of your life away and you do what Jesus said in the New Testament. I want you to seek first my kingdom. And my kingdom is now this body, this movement known as the church. And my hope, man, is that you would step in and go, I'm gonna be a part. I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna step up. I'm gonna play my role. And listen, here, I know where a lot of you are because I I talk to people like this all the time. This is the heartbeat of our church. Like, you've been so hurt. And and I'm not really even talking to some of you who are still trying to figure all this out. Like, you can just sit and chill right now because you're not in that place. But like for some of you, you have been so hurt and this entire movement, the entire thing that Jesus has created was discredited for you by one individual. One leader that abused their power, a small group leader who's an idiot, a self-righteous person who you're like, if this is Christianity, I'm out. And I just wanna encourage you, I get that. And for some of you, man, my heart breaks for you. But if one person discredited this entire movement for you, what power resides in this room to begin to change that and begin to redefine that for other people who are coming behind us? I love what Paul said. Paul in the New Testament, are you guys still with me? Got real quiet. I don't know because I was shaming you about your clapping or or what, but it just got like really, 
Um, Paul explains this in several letters that he wrote. And I always wanna say this, like if you're a skeptic, you should start reading Paul's letters in the New Testament. It's a great place to start. Um, it, you can get to the end of them. You don't have to believe, but it, his story is fascinating because he's highly educated in the first century, studied under some of the great philosophers, theologians of his time, becomes a Pharisees, Pharisee, which is like a major, the major religious group of the time and begins to try to stop Christianity. And he's really good at it. And then all of a sudden he has this seeming like encounter overnight where he stops trying to kill Christians and then becomes a Christian or a follower of Jesus. And everything changes for this highly influential, highly educated man. And you, as you read his writings, you just have to ask the question, like, how did that happen? Like, how did that happen apart from something miraculous that changed Paul's view and um, maybe outside of him actually sitting down with eyewitnesses that saw a dude die and then come back to life? And Paul's like, okay, I know this is gonna be embarrassing to change sides and go from a Pharisee to now I'm actually a follower of the group that I was trying to stamp out. But I'm telling you, if a dead man rises from the dead, you gotta follow that guy. And Paul changes everything and begins to become a follower of Jesus and then the greatest church planter in all of history. He takes seriously what Jesus says and he begins to plant these, in the Greek, ekklesias, these churches, these movements all around the Mediterranean rim and had more to do with the spread of the church and why we're here 2,000 years later than anybody else. And basically what he says in his letters to us and it's so relevant to us 2,000 years later is, hey, you've been called. God's placed you as part of something. And it's not the question of if you've been called, it's just a question of where you've been called. But if you are gonna follow Jesus and if you are gonna experience life to the full, you just need to know this is a part of what God has for your life as a part of this movement, this gathering, this body in your generation. And here's how he says it. He starts in um, Ephesians and the first part, he just unpacks like all that we have, the good news, that we are a love, we're accepted, that we're secure in Jesus, that he has paid the penalty for our sin, that we can have life in him. And if we trust him, he's gonna not just take our sin, he's gonna give us new life. We become a son and a daughter of God and you are secure in Christ. As we say here all the time, even if you stumble to the finish line of your life, God's love and God's grace and your security about the future is not based on your performance, it's based on his has everything to do with what God has done on your behalf. And so Paul's like unpacking all this to go, just so you guys remember, this is pretty amazing. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Nobody can walk with a swagger. God did all of it. And then he gets to this point after unpacking all this in Ephesians 2.19 and says this. So consequently, in light of all that, in light of all you've been given, in light of all that God's done in your life, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people. Like literally, the moment you place your faith and trust in Christ, new citizenship. You're part of a new tribe. And you are also members, and this is so important, of his household. Now let me unpack this, because he's taking this idea of Old Testament to say there's something new. Because in the Old Testament, you went to the temple. It was always about a place that you would go to, hey God, are we good, offer my sacrifices. 
And Jesus, the moment he died his death on the cross, I mentioned this, the curtain of the temple was torn, which is like holy of holies. That's where you would go in or the priest would go in to basically make atonement on behalf of the people. And nobody could approach that place. Nobody could really approach God. Everybody needed a priest or a go-between. And then the moment Jesus died, he tore the curtain to say, now you have direct and free access to God on your own. No more go-between, no more priest. You can come to God at any moment of your life. He's waiting for you. He wants personal relationship with you. And so in this moment, what Paul is giving us is the idea of the Old Testament temple system is gone. Now his temple is in you. You have the Holy Spirit. You have direct access to God and you're a part of a new household. And so when you gather together as a church, you're a family, you're a tribe, you're a household. It's no longer something that you go to. It's something that you belong to. And that's really, really important. I'm not gonna say anything. It's really, really important. And here's the thing, like we, we get the idea of a house. Some of you are still stuck in Old Testament temple thinking that was abolished a couple thousand years ago. There's nothing sacred about this place, FYI. The only thing sacred in this room is you. You are the body of Christ. You are the church. You have the temple of God inside of you. That's why Velocity does all kind of crazy stuff in this building. It's sacrilegious unless you know this is just a building that houses the people of God. This is a house. This is a gathering. And wherever you're meeting, the same is true. And come on, in your house, and I, I, my kids aren't at teenager age yet, but I can only imagine. Like, my kids that get teenager age, like, they're not going to come home and go, well, this is just a place that I sleep. I'm like, no, it's not. Go grab a lawnmower and mow the lawn, right? <laughs> I don't have teenagers. Is that true? Like, that's... Like, you, you don't just come here and sleep. You're a part of a house, which means you better do something while you're here. Like, this is what we do in this household. And here's what I love about this picture that Paul is painting is with any household, everybody's at a, at a particular level of development, right? Like, in my house, we've got four kids, as, as many of you know. How old are they? The eight, six, four, and one, right? And um, usually I know that, but it's like, there's a question. Um, and like they're all, they're, they're at all different levels. Like my girl is maturing in a big way. My boys, not so much, but <laughs> trying to get them there. And Paul's just given this whole idea of like, I just, I want you to see this for what it is. It's a house. It means that everybody's at a different level of development. When you have anything that is welcoming and accessible to everybody, again, to quote Paul in Ephesians, it means it's messy. It means it requires a ton of grace. It means that you're not where they are and they're not where you are and everybody's at different levels and, and it's easy to judge somebody else's journey or story by the finish line when they're really just getting started. But Paul's going, this is what is beautiful about this and we are the church. And when you understand that, it is almost irresistible. And then he says this, verse 20, it's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. With Christ, Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. And let me just come around this. Our first core value as a church is this, is that Jesus is our lead story. That everything we do, it, it points back to Jesus. And this is what Jesus predicted again on a hillside. I mentioned this last week when he said, hey guys, what's the word on the street about me? And they're like, some think you're a prophet or reincarnated. They're all kind of weird views. And then Jesus turns to them like, no, 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 what do you guys say? Who do you think I am? And Peter says, we believe, we think that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus turns back to them and says, on that rock, and literally what he was saying is, on that statement, I'm gonna build my church. 
on that one thing that Jesus is Christ, Son of the living God. And guys, it's gonna change the world. And just think about it. 2,000 years later, any true church, and by true church, I mean is, is focused on Jesus at the center because that's what defines the church. That's the only thing that unites us, isn't it? Across every continent, every language, every generation, it's not music style, it's not how we dress, it's not how we program, we can't even understand each other. But the one thing that we have in common is exactly what Jesus said we would have in common, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Go. And he says, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And I love this, don't miss it. In him, talking about Jesus, this whole building, and by building, he's playing off the idea of this house, this gathering, this group of people. This whole building is joined together. Participle, Greek, skillfully fit together strategically placed. Okay, can I just go in for just a second here? This is, this is so important as followers of Jesus because it's so easy to not connect the dots. Like we always wanna connect the dots. We always wanna see like cause and effect, sow and reap. Oftentimes you don't see that. But here's what is true about you, that God has placed you where he's placed you for a reason. He's placed you in your neighborhood for a reason, even if you hate it. He's placed you in your job right now. I'm not saying you maybe don't need another job eventually, but if you're there right now, it means God's placed you there. You've been placed in your city. You've been placed in this church or whatever church you're a part of in this season for a reason. And come on, don't miss this. You are skillfully fit. You are strategically joined together, which just means this, if I can press you a little bit, you should be very careful before you just haphazardly peace out to go, I just need a season of six years of doing nothing and then I'll be back in 2032 or whatever and I'm gonna get back in when God has skillfully joined you together, strategically placed you where you are at this time for a purpose to make an impact in other people's lives and sometimes we seek everything else first and the church is like the thing that is the negotiable or it's the addendum and if I don't have time I'm not going to do it but you just need to know this is from Paul himself inspired by God's word you have been strategically placed where you have been placed God is going to do something through that it is a part of your destiny because you're a part of a house a people a body do not cut and run early until you know that God is leading you because God has a plan for you where you are at in this season and some Sometimes it's hard and sometimes it requires perseverance and sometimes you have to sacrifice and God's gonna do something through that. And so in him, the whole building is joined together and it rises, I love this, because it's a growing movement when it's on mission to become a holy temple. And again, when he's talking about this, he's not talking about a place, he's talking about a people in the Lord. And now, the temple system that was all about show up to meet with God and go to the temple to find God, now, now God's released this new idea of portable temples who gather together for power and then they scatter to be salt and light, to change their communities and, and to change the world. And I love what he says later in Ephesians 4, 6, where he gives not just a picture of a house, he gives this picture of a body. And he says this, for him, the whole body, us, Jesus followers, part of the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. You know who that is? It's you. It's me. It's everybody's a part of this thing. To go, I'm a follower of Jesus. 
which means maybe somebody should have told you, I'm a part of a house. I'm a part of a body. I'm a part of a movement in my city. And then he says, and it grows and builds itself up, and this is so important, in love. And can I just say this? I gotta, I gotta go. When I start straying from my nates too much, this can get really long, as you guys have seen. But listen, like, it's so easy to say one thing and then experience another in terms of the culture because culture is something you feel. You, you can have core values on a wall all day long and you guys have seen that and then you don't feel any of those things in regard to the culture that you're a part of. And can I just tell you, like, it is easy to say, and I don't know of any church that doesn't say that we're not about loving God and loving other people, but you can say that all day long. The test is the proof of what somebody feels when they're a part of you. And you can say you are about love, and you, are, you can say it's the safest place in the world for anybody struggling with anything. You can say it's welcoming to all individuals, but the proof of when those individuals actually show up, they feel what you're talking about. And so he says, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its, help me out, as each part does its what? One more time. As each part does its what? We talked about this before. The, the temple idea in the Old Testament was all about consume. When Jesus showed up, it's a new movement. And he said, now it's all about engage. You wanna be holy? Holy is no longer about separation. It's about engagement. It's about moving in toward the messes. It's a house that you belong to. It's a body that you're a part of. It's the house that you belong to. It's a body that you're a part of. It's a house that you belong to. It's a body that you're a part of. And can I just say this to quote a mentor of mine? If you aren't engaged, something is missing because you've been skillfully fit. You've been strategically placed. If you aren't engaged, something is missing. And if you aren't engaged, you are missing something because you've been designed for this. You've been called to this. And you can't make up your own rules in terms of what it means to follow Jesus because Jesus said, I get it's a mess. I get that you've had bad experiences with the church. I get that it's really dysfunctional sometimes, but don't forget this. And he uses the analogy, it is the bride of Christ. It's my bride. Be careful about how you talk about her. Make sure you engage with her and make sure that you understand it's a part of my purpose to fulfill my destiny and my will for your life. And come on, isn't this true? And maybe you've never thought about it. If this is true, what Paul writes, it means this, that there are some people's needs that only you can see. That when you're a part of this thing as a body, as a house, the same is true sometimes in your own house. Like my wife and I see different things from our kids, like I'm blind to, and then my wife sees it or sees something going on, vice versa, where it's just because we're wired differently. There's some, there's some people only you can see. There's some dysfunction and hurts that only you can relate to because of what you've gone through. And listen, I believe at some level, humanly, there is only, there's certain people that, that only you can reach. Why in the world would you spend your life as a spiritual consumer? 
when you can engage and be a part of changing somebody else's life and we can be a part of changing our community and changing our city and healing marriages and bringing people toward restoration and no matter how bad their past experiences have been to go, listen, there may be something different that you can encounter and we wanna tear away every barrier for you to find life and freedom in Jesus. Why would we stay as consumers when we can engage believing that God's gonna do something in our life through that? And if you're struggling with purpose and do I matter and what is God's will for my life, I just wanna tell you, this is God's will for your life. And he may begin to answer some of those other questions as you are willing to step out and do what you know in this moment. A lot of other things I don't know. I don't wanna be working a drive-through window. My relationship is not that great. I'm really dissatisfied with where I am. My kid is not obeying anything. I get all of that. That's life. It's broken. It's a sin-infested world. We wait for one day. It's gonna be better. But right now, the call is I want you to walk by faith. And that means you do what you know to do. And this is what you have been called to as a follower of Jesus, no matter matter how bad your past has been. And if you are willing to take that step, God may begin to interact and move in your life in ways that you have never experienced before because God always responds to an act of faith and trust to go, I'm gonna follow you anyway. And come on, isn't this true? And this is so many of your experiences. Consumers in the church are dangerous. They are so dangerous. Because if you get too many of them, you end up with a self-centered church. And I'll just say without any hesitation, without batting an eye, because I, I talked to so many of these individuals. Most of you who walked away for 15 years and have just come back, I talked to several of you last week. The thing that hurt you the most, in a lot of cases, wasn't theology. It was that this thing that was supposed to represent the love and the grace of Jesus and literally the body of Jesus kind of became an inclusive, exclusive club because ultimately self-centered Christians produce self-centered churches and it becomes us for and no more and as much as you hang it on the wall, people don't experience it when they walk in and all of a sudden it becomes us and the Jesus movement and the unspoken invitation is get your crap together and come. And Jesus' invitation is, you must not understand how bad all of you are. There is just Jesus and you. It has come with all of your crap and Jesus can change a human heart long before he changes anybody's behavior. I want you to come. So I just wanna encourage you, I know you don't think it's a big deal. The majority of your church hurt has been churches that maybe started out like on mission and then somehow they got so many consumers they become self-centered. And it just becomes, and this is the danger for us, a cooler version of what you hated and what hurt you. So I wanna end in like three minutes. Here's what I wanna encourage you to do and I'll be done. I wanna encourage you to engage, like straight up. I wanna encourage you as a follower of Jesus. Some of you stepped away. Some of you, there's legitimate reasons. Like, I get all that. And so like, don't be offended if I'm not talking to you. But like some of you stepped away. Some of you are in a season of break, which is like, come on, I love you, but I'm gonna call you on that. Like you just, you prioritized everything else in the world. And this is the thing that we do, like where there's all of this stuff. We're like, oh, it's all out of control to go back to our last series and because everything else is out of control, it's like, well, the church thing has to go, right? And Jesus is going, no, no, I want you to seek first my kingdom, me, my righteousness, and then you prioritize everything else around it. 
And sometimes when you gotta step away and it's just too much and it's whatever, and that's valid at certain seasons, but a lot of times, I don't have a percentage, it's because everything else in your life is out of control. And you need to begin to prioritize different and go, God, it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be difficult, I'm gonna say no to some other things, but I'm gonna seek your kingdom and your righteousness first because I believe this, what Jesus said, we are the light of the world. We are the light of our city, the light of our neighborhood. It's why we talk about here bridge builders all the time because, and I've, we've done this from the very beginning. There's no volunteers. I hate the term volunteer. A volunteer just shows up, checks a box. Bridge builder is, no, 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 it's much bigger than that. I'm a bridge between where people are and where Jesus wants to take them. And literally, I stand in the way. It's, Paul talks about it. I'm a reconciler to the gospel of Jesus Christ without hope, filled with shame and guilt, not sure if there's a way forward, turned off a long time ago, Jesus hope, Jesus love, Jesus grace. I'm inviting you into my family and my kingdom. And I stand in the way to be an ambassador for Jesus, to lead people from there to here. And it's why we call everybody bridge builders because we don't babysit kids here. We anchor the grace of Jesus in their heart. We sit with kids and let them know at an early age, you have extraordinary worth in Jesus. And you may not need it right now at nine, but you may need it at 29. And I want you to come back to this moment and recognize that you have a savior and I'm going to love you so well, it's easy to believe that you have a heavenly father that loves you. That's what we're doing. We don't tolerate students here. We raise up a generation of culture shapers. We sit in groups. Not just as women, men who are stepping up and more men need to step up to go, I have extraordinary influence. And we sit with students and let them know, listen, God's grace and God's love will outpace your mistakes every single time. And there's gonna be a day at 23 that you need to know that God's love is unending, unwavering, and it never runs out. And this is the moment I get to play a part and being a bridge to where you are to where Jesus wants to take you. We don't tolerate students. Hey, listen, first impressions, they don't smile and say hi. That's not what they do. They are answering, as we've said from the very beginning, the one question everybody is asking when they encounter us. And it's not most of the time, first off, what you believe or what your theology is or what your style is. People want to know the answer to one question. Do you care? Do you care? Do you, because I've been in a lot of places that slap Jesus on the sign and I'm not sure they really care. Do you care? We get to answer that question every single time. We don't have parkers because you can't park. Some of you can't park. That's not the primary reason we have people that park cars. We want people to know from moment one, there's something different something different and extraordinary about these individuals. And it doesn't matter who comes in. There's no sliding scale. There's just Jesus and everybody else. And why wouldn't you be welcomed in? Matthew was welcomed in. Zacchaeus was welcomed in. Well, why wouldn't we embrace you? The prodigal son, they threw that dude a party. Why, why wouldn't we do that. One of my favorite stories a few about a year ago is somebody who's driving on campus and they emailed the story to us. They were having a terrible, terrible day. And, and we so sometimes lose the power of what we have the opportunity to do because it's easy. Sit in a parking lot and go, what am I really doing? They encountered somebody in the parking lot that was just extra, man. They were just all in, passionate. And they were like, I encountered that individual in the parking lot and it changed everything for me. 
change my perspective, change my day, change my week. Like literally, I was kind of in this depressed state. Wasn't me, wasn't a worship team. It was a parker in the parking lot who understood they were a bridge. Yes. Where people are to where Jesus wants to take them. And I, gotta, I gotta go, but. <laughs> These messages have the potential to go so long. I'm not gonna do that, I'm gonna be done. But when we're sitting in groups, whether it's community groups, lifestyle groups, and you need to get into a group, you do have time or whatever. I forget all the groups that we have, <laughs> but there's announcements. When you get into those groups, listen, we're, we're, not, just, we're not just hanging out. That's a part of it. But you, 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 you'd be amazed at what happens after you hang out long enough. And suddenly, like, this thing, this can't really define it, community starts to develop. And, and suddenly you're sitting with another dude and they never talk about this stuff and, and you're trying to dispense hope that there is a way forward from his addiction. you're sitting with other couples who've kept it under wraps for 10 years that they've been struggling. And it's the first time in kind of their spiritual journey where they finally feel safe to go. It is, it's not okay. And mental illness and those recovering from abortion Like, I'm lost with my kids. I don't, I don't know the way forward. That's the church. And when you play your part well, God will bring power to anything. You just do what you know. You get involved where you know to get involved. And God will begin to use that. And the moment you go, well, I'm not called to that. No, no, but you're called to be a part of the household of God. You're called to be a supporting ligament. You're called to be a part of a body. And when you play your part well, whether it's in a parking lot or on a stage, God promises, I'm gonna use it. And so, man, my vision for us is that we would do that. I love the church. I love the amazing churches God's put in our area. But God gives a unique race to every individual and he gives a unique race to run for every church. And we're gonna run our race well. We're gonna be the most welcoming and accessible place that anybody's ever encountered. We're gonna talk about stuff that people are uncomfortable with because we've been called to have a voice in our culture. Whether it's racism or anything else, whether it's those who are struggling with issues, they don't know how it intersects with life and faith in Jesus. We're gonna be that kind of church. And then last thing, and this, this is legit the last thing. I've said this before, but stop praying for a move of God. Stop. God's already created a movement. The prayer is not, God, I, would, you, would you just start a move of God? The prayer is, would you just move? And if you move, God will move in relation to that because God has already set up a city-shaping, world-changing movement. And now he's just inviting you. I want you to be a part of it. So let's go. So I'm gonna encourage you. This is so unbelievably practical. I want you to take a step. I want you to 
take a picture of that barcode that's right in front of you that's gonna send you a little link to go, I'm gonna take a step, I wanna engage. I don't even know where it is. In fact, the question may be, where's the critical need? Put me there and then God's gonna direct me. Or I'm gonna text Centerpoint to 94,000, but I'm gonna take a step. And this is not like we need more people to step in. That's not the motivation. The motivation is God has called us to something and has called you to something. And if you are gonna experience life to the full, this is where it's at. You just pray with me wherever you are. Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy. As we end with this song, Lord, help it, help there to be a realness to it if we want to declare what you have done in our lives. And Lord, I pray for those who are, are watching this or listening to this and it's like, yeah, 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 that's not been my experience. I pray that you would just cut through some of that right now in this moment. And Lord, I get it. I get the hurt that so many are, are carrying and struggling with, but I pray that you would begin to redefine for them what you're offering and who you are. And that maybe the bad experience that they have, that, that at some point you would be able to move them past that hurt. And they would realize that your offer of salvation is not synonymous with, with what they've experienced from other followers of Jesus. And God, motivate, move us, lift our heads to give us vision for what you have called us to as a church. God, help us to change our city. And we pray this in Jesus' incredible name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.